Hey, this is your host, EJ Lawless of the podcast, HR Tech Go to Market, the only podcast focused on bringing HR tech companies to markets and the lessons we can learn from those. Today's episode is with Mike Slaw, founder and CEO of Shift.org. Shift.org's mission is to help transition military service members into the civilian workforce, as well as expose current military members to the latest and greatest in technology and business thinking. In this episode, you can really tell Mike's passion for the mission and how, how much he cares. I think the other thing that's great if you're a founder thinking about startup or in marketing is how much he focuses on prioritization. You hear him say several times that he can only focus on certain things and that's what he's going to do. The other is how well he understands his target customer and market. You can tell that he's thought deeply about this and really refined it to a very clear vision. I find that's extremely helpful in thinking about targeting and outbound as well as inbound and personas and the type of content you would write. So take a listen to this. I think there's a lot of great lessons and really applaud Mike's dedication and focus on his mission. with Mike Slaw, the CEO and founder of Shift. Mike, how are you today? Can you introduce us to Shift and what you're working on? Hey, EJ. Thanks for having me. Doing well today. And uh, got to say, you're one of the uh, one of my newest Twitter followers who, or no, sorry, uh, person I'm following on Twitter who's providing the most value talking about future of HR tech and uh, vertical labor marketplaces. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to spend some time together. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Um, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're trying to build a career advancement company at Shift for members of the military past and present. And so what we mean when we say that is that whether somebody is actively serving within the Department of Defense or they are transitioning careers from military service to civilian life, or they're navigating you know, the messy middle of a, maybe a 20 plus year post-military career, we want to build products and experiences that help our members accelerate their journey, no matter you know what part uh, along the journey that they're currently at. That's the company that we're building towards, and and uh, got a really great team, you know, supporting us. It's a really kind of fun part of our journey at this point. That's great. That sounds like a great mission. How did you get started with that? I think there's a you know it, it, it's certainly uh, you know where we think that we can go. Uh, has really evolved dramatically over the years, but you know, you know, really how Shift got started. You know, I had served in the military for a few years before Shift. I had helped get uh, a company off the ground. You know, I looked around on military service, and I thought some of the people that I was working with were some of the best problem solvers. Uh, you know, I, I'd ever met people that were really resilient and and and. If you're trying to build something new or uh, start a new company, I thought that people who were serving in the military uh, were just like ideal teammates for the modern workforce. And yet, it's almost hard to overstate just how limited of a view uh, today's military service members have into the full opportunity set. Uh, you know, they don't understand what type of roles uh, are emerging where their military career experience could be really applicable. And they could create a great impact in a, in a new mission-driven environment. I think that problem is actually getting a little bit worse uh, because the opportunity set is accelerating. It's expanding so rapidly. There's so many new kinds of jobs that you know, didn't even exist a couple of years ago in the modern workforce. I think that's why 
we think it's really important, you know, the work that we're doing. And uh, we think a company like Shift has got to exist in the future. Uh, but you know, really the first thing that we did, uh, you know, it was kind of like a couple of email lists and you know, we got off the ground. You know, we had one email list that was targeted towards veterans that featured uh, a few roles at companies where uh, we had the ability to internally refer people. And we went about translating those roles. And, you know, for example, it was like, you know, hey, this is an open product operations role at Dropbox. You know, this requires you to keep, you know, what's product operations? Well, you got to keep the, you know, the team on task, prioritize resources, you know, make hard trade-offs, you know, so that you can, you know, make this, sure this project ships on time and, you know, under budget. Hey, doesn't that sound like being like a platoon leader in the military? Doesn't that sound like being an NCO uh, within an ops department? Yeah, if that sounds like you, this would be a great role to explore and have a conversation with a team we can internally refer you. And then on the other side, you know, uh, you know, we would look at, you know, all right, which, which vets on this email list are engaging with this, you know, you know, most frequently, who's opening it up, who's forwarding it along. And then we would turn around and feature three vets a week. And we would translate their profiles uh, to make them make sense. And for this, so the story could actually add up to somebody that you know, maybe they're curious about military experience, but, you know, there's, you know, trying to assess somebody's profiles really, really difficult, you know, across industries. And so we did that for almost a year where the, you know, the whole company was essentially two uh, email lists where three people a week were getting jobs and, uh, and, and we we're starting to build you know, what, what was really, I think, important to the work that we're doing, uh, really deep relationships, you know, finding a network of people that thinks the military service is important and establishing credibility and a reputation. That's how we got off the ground. That's great. I love that MVP. I mean, obviously that works and connects people, but it gets started in a very efficient way. I would say yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. In hindsight, it, it, it feels like it was a you know, a good, good way to get started. And, and it definitely was an MVP, but it really was like, you know, I knew a lot about military experience, but we're like trying to help people get jobs. And fundamentally, I didn't even know the way that people actually got jobs in the workforce, you know, after you know working on some startups and building and, and, you know, serving in the, in the military for a few years. And so I was like, all right, what, how, what parts of the you know, military career experience actually resonate in the hiring market? What are, what's the way that people actually get jobs? And so by being able to be close to everybody on the employer hiring manager side of this email newsletter, it, I think it was probably, you know, the most valuable educational experience I probably could have gotten, you know, just the chance to spend time with people who knew what great looks like and then start to think about, okay, what would be a category defining product that helps us start to scale the impact that we're creating for a small amount of veterans in early days? That's great. That's great customer empathy. It's surprising to me to hear you say that the problem is getting worse. With the labor shortage we're seeing and the emergence of these new jobs that are coming out, whether it's Web3 or technology, where no one has any relevant experience. I would think that employers would be all over going after military members. What's happening there? Yeah, I think when when I say you know the you know the problems getting worse is that um, you know sort sort of you know despite you know these huge shortages that we see across sectors from you know healthcare to technology, you know there's still millions of Americans who are struggling to find work right now. 
Um, you know, and, and many people, you know, even at this moment of time, feel undervalued or feel underutilized, and so that has you know just severe negative consequences, and, and certainly holds back you know our full economic potential. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's really hard, uh, really really difficult to assess career experiences across industry. You know, it, it's very rare for me to find folks who have had almost this portfolio career, right? Where they, you know, they used to be a private pilot and then they, you know, worked in the, you know, as a creative for a little while. And then they've, you know, bounced around and they found themselves in tech. And here I am and, you know, I'm an operations manager at this high growth startup. And so, you know, within the technology industry, you know, everybody, I'm so fascinated hearing folks, you know, this is my technology origin story, because I think it's, you know, you, you actually hear a lot of these like chameleons or career changers that eventually found their way into tech, right? And I think that that is actually just a glimpse into what the future of work, you know, kind of holds for all of us. You know, these, you know, transformations where you have to go from one industry to the next, they're uh, almost always really, really difficult. And in many cases, when you transition across industries from one to the next, it actually holds your career back a little bit. Uh, because it is difficult to assess, hey, how did what you did over, uh, you know, as, you know, at this part of the workforce, how does that translate? And I think the reason why the the problem is difficult, you know, for military service members in, in, in particular is, you know, if you have, you know, a role in the workforce that's like, everybody kind of believes that, you know, it, it's pretty valuable career experience, like, a, you know, somebody who's a McKinsey alum, you know, we all kind of know that, okay, that's a pretty high caliber individual, but w- their career experience is also pretty well understood. For military members, you know, for us at SHIFT and, and many of the incredible people that support our mission, we believe the military career experience is valuable, but it's one of those areas of the workforce where it's really largely not understood. And so there's this huge uh, delta that exists between how valuable that experience is and how well understood it is. We think that is a huge opportunity for us to create value uh, and, and sort of bridge that current gap that exists. When I say the problem is getting worse, it largely relates, <clears throat> you know, to this uh, to to the I, I, I guess that you know the a new division of labor between humans, machines, and algorithms. You know, the last McKinsey Future of Jobs report I saw was that there's going to be 130 million Americans alone who are going to have to change careers, who are going to have to transition across industries by 2030. And so, and, and, and so work isn't necessarily going away, it's just changing. And so there's all these new types of jobs, like you spoke to, where the you know, industry experience <laughs> or pedigree doesn't really matter because there isn't really industry experts, right? And so that's why I think we are at this little bit of an inflection point where it's like, if you care about what does the future of career change look like? You think it's really important to seamlessly be able to go from one industry to the next and actually have your you know, career be advanced rather than held back. The military is this like ideal community to look at and to study because everybody has to transition from military service and everybody has to go from you know, you know, this type of work, you know, within this, you know, very historical organization to the private sector or to a different part of the public sector. And so and we've been doing this for, <laughs> you know, 100 years. 
And so, you know, the military is really uh, an incredible place, I think, to be creating impact for cross industry careers um, because of the, you know, of, of the potential to uh, live in a world where, you know, career experience is, is visible, uh, it, it's fairly assessed, and somebody's achievements are, are celebrated and, and their achievements are understood. There were some great insights into what you just said. So two that stood out to me, one was the delta on the perception of the value of the military experience in the civilian workforce. And the other is how many people will be impacted by this career transition from automation and other trends. So what you're doing is incredibly important. So I just wanted to highlight that. How does shift actually work? How do you help people transition careers? And who are the types of people that you're helping transition? We, when we when we talk about um, you know how, how do we work we we and, and how do we uh, advance careers you know you know there are different groups of folks you know within the military community one is folks who are still on active duty service uh, this is a group of folks that is really really important to me one of the two things that I care about most in the world uh, is that I want to see the very best world class cutting edge software and hardware, make it into the hands of active duty service members. This was a pretty big uh, point of frustration for me uh, on active duty service, you know, knowing, you know, just how fast technology uh, was impacting uh, our lives, but also really had the, you know, this potential to be a powerful force for good. Um, You know, I didn't see the latest uh, or the best, <laughs> uh, you know, software and hardware, you know, in my teammates' hands. And I almost, you know, the further away from this experience I had at the time, I thought it was, you know, totally natural to be running, you know, distributed teams all over the world, uh, doing really important work, tough missions where like speed of information was as the, of the essence. And we didn't have any sort of, like, we didn't have Slack, right? It was like, how do we even do it? Um now, you know, the type of work that, you know, today's military members are, are, uh, are asked to do, oftentimes in an environment where strategy is either absent or unclear, where uh, authority and decision making is pushed down to very, very low levels. And we put an incredible amount of trust in the men and women who are on the front lines of some of our missions. We have to live in a world where the best software and hardware is in the hands of our military members. I, I don't want to live in a world where we can't get the best cybersecurity technology, artificial intelligence, other uh, critical technologies into the hands of our service members. And that means that you know, these two sides, emerging technology and the Department of Defense, have to come together. And so one of you know, what we do for active duty members is we facilitate cross-industry immersion programs where we'll prepare them uh, in and onboard them to thrive and create impact in an emerging technology environment, very short period of time, then we'll actually immerse them in a six week long fellowship at a top venture capital firm or VC backed startup. And they'll be able to create relationships that, that, that last for a long time and compound in value, but also allow us to be within the department of defense, better customers to emerging technologies. And on the other side, we work with companies that are really interested to either start 
or, or accelerate you know, their veteran hiring initiatives. They want more veterans in their workforce. And so for, for those type of companies, we have a recruiting tool. It's a vertical labor marketplace that features you know, top ex-military talent that's really active in their job search. And they'll respond to you if you reach out to them. Uh, and, and, and that's really how we work. We, we prepare people to thrive in new environments, whether that's somebody who's on active duty service, wanting to be a better customer to emerging technologies, or they're a military veteran and they're trying to create a story that makes a lot of sense to somebody who might not really have that much interaction with the military community throughout their professional career. Got it. That's great. That's more in depth than I actually had understood. I did not get the part about the active duty military members and spending I, time within VC and top startups. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think the things the things we really care about are one that we we have this bridge that exists between the Department of Defense and the private sector, uh, you know, specifically emerging technology, and we really care about living in a world where the best software and hardware is in the hands of our active duty members. And on the other side, we really care about veterans and their families thriving, prospering, and we we want to see veterans you know get access to some of the you know, trajectory defining life-changing outcomes that working in high growth, mission-driven, you know, tech, you know, emerging technology type of environments can afford to people if they're there from early days and they're, one, they're some of the folks that actually made the thing happen. And we want to see more veterans access that type of uh, really, really great career outcome. We want to see them thrive and prosper. That's great. So in your early founding story, it sounded like that you were able to find jobs and find military members who were looking to transition careers. I understand now that you're working with the Department of Defense. Is that correct? Yep. They, so they're the customer for facilitating these cross-industry immersion programs. Uh, we have you know, an eight-week-long fellowship, you know, part of which is two weeks spent getting ready to go uh, and thrive in this type of VC environment. We also have a 12-month-long fellowship that is kicking off next year. These are DOD-funded programs. Got it. So you have a program where the DOD funds them, and then you have another set of programs where the employer Correct. will... Yep. Okay. You know, yep. We'll work with uh, typically you know companies that uh, I, th- I think... Uh, it, well, it's pretty broad, right? We have companies from a bunch of different industries and sectors uh, who are interested in what we're doing. You know, but I think one way to think about it is companies that would just be thrilled to hire five or more veterans per year, and that might be companies that you know they got started a few years ago. They're in hyper growth. They look around. There are a thousand people, and there's almost no veterans working there. And they're like, okay, wh- what can we do? How can we build this out? Uh, or there are companies that um, you know, maybe earlier on and, and understand, hey, there's this really, uh, you know, there might be something interesting here with how hard it is to uh, access great talent right now. You know, w- you know, maybe we look to the military as this untapped source of high potential talent that really thrives in, you know, earlier stage type of environments. And at this point, are you looking more for people who are actively looking for military members or are you going and educating people? And HR departments about the value of HR of military members. Yeah, at this point, 
we, you know, we want, you know, we, we don't really have, uh, I, I think it, it's, it's so hard, you know, in early days when you're, you know, serving, you know, like the mission's so important to you. Like there's so many different directions in which this could go. There's so many, you know, opportunities to create impact. There's a lot of people coming in bound saying like, Hey, can you do this or can you do that? Right now, you know, we, we have to really focus to make sure that this works because, you know, and, and really, you know, focus our attention in, you know, areas that we think uh, help accelerate the business, you know, most quickly. And, you know, it's, it, it is, uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we really focus in areas where, okay, we would really create a truly happy customer if they hired five or 10 veterans per year. But, you know, this labor marketplace and our model doesn't, you know, it's not really a fit for uh, enterprise companies that are already, you know, succeeding in their veteran hiring efforts um, or, you know, smaller businesses, at least today, that, you know, don't necessarily have the type of hiring and, you know, consistent hiring needs to be able to support maybe five or 10 military veteran hires per year. So now we're, we're just really focused on that one, you know, it's kind of middle of the market segment that differentiates us from uh, being able to support, you know, large enterprises or SMBs. I think that's something that we will definitely be able to do uh, at some point next year, but really focused on companies that uh, have that sort of modest, but still pretty significant veteran hiring goal. Got it. So it sounds like you have a pretty clear profile right now of who you're targeting. So several hires, at least five, and then don't already have their own successful program around military members. Yeah, I think, think, yeah, exactly. I think there's um, like, we look at, you know, some of the companies that are, you know, being really successful in, in, in hiring a lot of veterans per year. And one of the things that we see almost in all cases is that there's a whole team supporting that initiative. And so there's not too many companies that have gotten quite to the place today where there, there are, you know, five to 25 full-time members of the sourcing and recruiting function that are focused on military talent pipelines. Uh, I applaud those companies. And I think that they are, uh, they are creating just a tremendous amount of employment opportunities. The problem is, you know, for the full veteran population, they only represent maybe 1% of, of work opportunities. And so, you know, we, we want to be able to, you know, create impact in areas that are currently underserved. And, you know, a lot of companies, it's quite a journey to get to a place where you can have five to 25 full-time military recruiters will support you until you get to that point. Great. It seems like there's huge opportunity here for network effects and referrals. Is that true? And if so, how do you take advantage of that? Or how do you use it in your growth? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we want to find, uh, let's put it this way. Um, our model works almost the exact opposite of traditional recruiting platforms in that uh, there, uh, we don't charge a per seat or a per hire fee. We want to optimize for the maximum amount of people within an organization using our product. We want to make that frictionless. Uh, because you know our true north is outcomes. We want to see as many veterans hired as possible across our whole portfolio of companies that we're working with. One, because you know we we know that you know 
people change jobs frequently. And, and if they had access to shift and they had a successful outcome, that allows us to grow. And, and that is, uh, you know, one of the ways that, you know, we think that, you know, network effects can be a big part of our story. Uh, we also think that, you know, by delivering value to the veterans and the folks who care about military service at our partner companies, you know, that creates, uh, you know, a, a really strong impetus to stay, you know, working together and in partnership over a long period of time. But I think that's the, you know, it, it, you know, it sounds simple when you say it out loud, but we think that the, the per seat model, uh, at least today, you know, for us is, is something that restricts our growth and we never want to be in a position that, um, you know, I, you know, I've, I've, you know, we always hear this internally, like, Hey, can I have another seat to this expensive recruiting platform? And it's like, oof, do you really need it? What are you going to use it for? How long do you need it? <laughs> we don't want any of that because, because right now, you know, we're talking about people with non-traditional backgrounds, people that, you know, there's preconceived notions with military service. Like we're fighting to keep doors cracked open. We're going into windows, right? We're like, we are tr- doing everything we can. Uh, and we are clawing and scratching to get military members into these emerging technology companies. Uh, having, you know, we, we can't have any friction. And if we find somebody who thinks military service is important, at one of our partner companies, we want them involved. Uh, we, we want them uh, to be part of the top of funnel sourcing all the way to if, if, if they want to help uh, mentor folks or you know, second, second, uh, take a second look at some of the assessments that we're doing on the folks that we're working with. We want to bring them in and make that frictionless. All right. I probably talked too much about that. Yeah, no, that's, that's our great. Story. I'm just thinking through the insight you just had there. So you know, it sounds like you obviously sought, thought about a per se pricing model and realized that it would prevent you from achieving your goal. What, what is your current business model? How do you align veteran outcomes and shift sort of value creation and revenue? Yeah, we, you know, we, you know, like I think many other labor marketplaces out there, especially uh, some of the new entrants like shift and especially you know, some, some of my uh, really co- close friends that are, you know, founding and growing vertical labor marketplaces, COVID really decimated our industry. It was really, really painful. Um, you know, hiring was, you know, an unforecastable, unpredictable business. And of course, like in, you know, thinking back to that moment in time versus today, when it's maybe the most important work, building new labor marketplaces and ways to connect workers to work. Like that's like the most important work of our time right now with the way the change is accelerating in the labor force. But, you know, you rewind back to basically all of 2020 and it was, uh, uh, you know, really, 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 really painful. And, you know, we made this conscious choice when we came out of COVID uh, to facilitate a talent delivery model that would be one that we would be thrilled to operate at 10x or 100x scale uh, at some point in the future. And that meant pivoting our business model to one that was subscription-based. And and, and we really kind of hesitated for years based on advice we received that, I mean, part, you know, a lot of it is, you know, true, you know, recruiters don't need another tool to log into. But we made a couple of unique twists on our side, uh, and, and and we really wanted to commit to a model that could give 
leverage to recruiters at a much greater scale and make access to military talent. And when we invest so much in their development to a wider uh, audience of folks. And so we, we had a couple of different models in the past where it was like pay for the total number of hires, pay per hire, um, you know, a percentage of, you know, first year salary. Now it's an annual subscription and it is, it is one set annual cost to work together for a year with the goal of making five great veteran hires on your team. And, and uh, if, if you exceed that and you hire 20 people or you, you hire 30 people, like high five, we're pumped. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got 30 people, uh, you know, who accessed an opportunity that they might not have access to otherwise. And so it's, it's just an annual subscription on the B2B side. And then on, on, on the DOD side, you know, we are you know, doing anywhere between one and four year contracts across a number of uh, defense technology and research and development contracts that give us a little bit of uh, sort of long-term stability while we are uh, you know, building the subscription model that has the added benefit of, you know, un, you know, a lot of people understand what great unit economics are for a subscription business versus, you know, one-off or contingency or placement type of business. And that's been a really positive change all around for us, uh, modeling the business in that way. That's great. You know, thinking about the pandemic and where things are now, it sounds like you changed the business model. Has the experience changed for a shift? Are these military members that are transitioning into the civilian labor force, are they seeing any positives or negatives because of COVID and work from anywhere? I, I, yeah, I used to kind of joke about this a little bit, but, it, it, you know, sometimes the the things are funny because they're true. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, there, there are like three things we would joke about that would really get military members excited about a portfolio of different job opportunities. And one would be uh, kind of location-based where there's huge concentrations of, you know, or, or demand for uh, living in a certain location where military members want to live. Uh, you know, one of those, you know, was like overseas because veterans love overseas opportunities. They, they, they look at overseas travel on a job description as like a positive versus like, a oof, I don't know if I can support that. Uh, you know, they love to, you know, work with and create partnerships with members of foreign nations and, 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 and foreign companies. And then the third was really remote. And uh, just because, you know, we, we all come from a community where we are told, where to live. And sometimes we get a lot less control over, uh, that, that specific part of what we're going to do in our career. Like it, it's, you know, I think that's a, I could probably talk about that for way too long, but you know, one of the things that, uh, people have the strongest opinions about when they separate from military service is where they want to live afterwards. And so, yeah, it's kind of a split. You know, some people are like, I'll go where there's opportunity, but some people are like, I'm going home to Des Moines. Like, that's what's happening. I've been told where to live for the last five years. Now it's my turn. It's me time. And so this explosion of remote opportunities has been just a transformatively good thing for the military community. Um, and and I'm, I'm really excited for the potential there. That's great. That's, that's good to hear. It sounds like you've been doing this for about five years. Is that right? Yeah. So, so you probably have good data about how military members in the workforce compare to non-veterans. Can you talk any about that? Like, what have you learned? What are companies seeing? What might be surprising to employers? 
Yeah, I think there, there's a way to think about military experience at a high level. And then there, there there's ways to think about some of the different outcomes data that we've seen. I think at a high level, like trying to say, well, with all veterans, you're going to get X, Y, and Z. Uh, I mean, the military looks like America. It's people from every city and state, every walk of life. There are some of these you know, things that you know, kind of characterize military service and our are, are, are constant threads that run through that experience, but you know it, it, it's folks from every city and state. But what we do see in the military um, versus, you know, maybe maybe as a comparison to the civilian workforce, is that uh, more than forty percent of people who serve in the military have underrepresented backgrounds. Uh, so there's folks, you know, when when you serve, you you really get to work with people from every different walk of life. Uh, a lot of the, you know, you know, I talk about like this, you know, the greatest social experiment of all time or AKA boot camp, where you kind of don't you have to all kind of shave your heads, all wear the same clothes. And then you establish these bonds. Ba- they're actually based on like mutual respect and shared interests. And then at the end of it, you're like, oh, that's what you look like. I don't, <laughs> I had no idea. Right. When you go out in town for the first time after boot camp, but you have folks that, uh, come from very underrepresented backgrounds who are overrepresented in the military population. Uh, the other thing that I think surprises people, one of the things that is really hard for folks in the modern workforce um, and, and, and companies who are trying to figure out, you know, hey, how do we get the workforce, you know, uh, in the type of roles or with the type of skills that uh, are going to accomplish, you know, our business's objectives, which are changing rapidly uh, is you know having to learn new things, having to continuously learn new skills. I think I saw you know the other thing that's happening across the workforce right now is there's very uh, like uh, th- th- there is very little stability in skills. Like even in what we thought were relatively staid professions, like being a lawyer or being an accountant, you know they're having to essentially uh, you know you know, like 40% of the skills that make you a great lawyer have changed. Even just over the last four years, you're having to do more with technology, more to generate new customers. You're having to uh, be proficient in different kinds of platforms. And so, uh, you know, what, what I think surprises folks is like, that's just a way of life in the military, specifically over the last 20 years when, you know, you could, you could say that, you know, military service, uh, it, it's kind of been redefined. Like we're not giving clear cut, well-defined missions, like ending a specific, you know, regime or, you know, pushing, you know, an army back across the 38th parallel, you know, modern operations have pursued these ambiguous outcomes, like advancing democratic norms across the Middle East or preventing Iranian influence over the Iraqi army or supporting the rights of Afghan women and children. And so these definitions of success over the last 20 years have been foggy at best, but our military has learned to operate and excel in this phenomenally complex matrix of social and political structures, cultural nuances, shifting alliances. Like it, it is, you had to be a different person uh, to thrive at, you know, in my job as a bomb disposal officer in Iraq versus being a bomb disposal officer in Afghanistan. And then the work that you know, you know, my teammates who stayed in and are, are doing now is unrecognizable to me. And so they had to reinvent themselves essentially every five years to stay relevant. 
Does that sound like the way the world's going? It does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're completely right. So you sound, it sounds like these are actually ideal people to hire. Uh, I think that's, I think, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, like just thinking about marketing and how much what I've been doing has changed. Sort of, you know, half of what I did as a job three to four years ago is probably automated. And I expect that to continue. So there's that constant need to learn and that constant ambiguity. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're talking about. I think I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's the thing that people who are in a position to either support folks who are building teams or people who are building teams, it is, um, it, it, it's really hard to find though, you know, that trait of being not just uh, willing to learn new skills, but they're actually excited about it. Like they're, they actually, you know, view the only constant as change in the world. So then there's like, there's this typical view that military vets are rigid order followers, you know, best suited for hierarchical structured environments where SOPs are well-defined and we we get, there's always a, you know, a rule to go check if we can come into a new situation. But in reality, it's one of the most diverse, flexible workforces on the planet. Today's vets deliver results on globally distributed teams. They got to continuously learn skills to stay competitive. And perhaps I think most relevant to something we've all been struggling with over the last 18 months is very resilient to major strategic changes and ambiguity. That makes them, uh, in my humble opinion, one of the most ideal teammates for new startups, small businesses, a lot of different companies that are just increasingly comprising what the modern workforce looks like. That, that's great. So for people out there who are listening and who are now convinced, like me, that military members are ideal hires, how do people get involved and help your mission? I think that's a thing that we, we, we have to really simplify because the thing that has proven itself time and again is that um, there is just tremendous potential energy or network potential across all the people who are out there who are curious about military service or people that just bona fide know that military career experience is straight up valuable. And so we are always looking for folks who would like to get involved in a mentorship capacity, folks who could give us a second set of eyes on the assessment methodology that we're developing through these defense technology contracts to help you know, better understand what military career experience means and how it's evolving uh, all the way to, you know, <laughs> there's essentially like a, almost like a, a, a full-blown conference happening at Shift every single week. You know, in our Defense Ventures Fellowship, there are 50 virtual events that take place over a six-week time period. In our transition programs, there's about four events per week on an ongoing basis. We need fireside chat speakers. We need panelists. Um, you, you can always email uh, hello at shift.org. You can also just email me and I'll connect you to the right person at mike at shift.org. That's great. Uh, good job plugging shift.org. I was going to make sure to call that out. Versus I appreciate that, EJ. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate the time. Hey, this is your host, EJ, again. If you made it this far, I am really impressed. Uh, listening to 30 plus minutes of taking companies to market HR tech, you're clearly, truly dedicated to this. I did think this was a really great episode. 
you know, how thoughtful Mike is really came through in this. And I think you can also see that like one, how much he believes in the mission two, how he's approached growing his company and bringing its product to market. I think again, you know, how well he identified his target profile, looking to hire five plus military members and have not already solved that problem themselves. It's just a great key persona to really go after and, you know, help with the prioritization. So I think that's something that any entrepreneur or any marketer can take away. You know, I'm excited upcoming episodes with a variety of different guests getting into Web3, getting into robotics. Uh, and if you're interested, please reach out to me at elawless on Twitter and happy to connect. Thank you.